You're now tuned in to the Own Your Power radio show with holistic business coach and author Simone Kelly Brown. We'll help you transform your passion into the lifestyle you deserve. Identify your purpose and uncover your greatness. Live your life with vision and prosperity. Receive guidance from our experts who will help you improve your life personally and professionally. Tune into the shows that cover personal growth, health and wellness, and business development to emerge into a new you now. Anything you want, it's attainable. It's time to own your power. What's up, power players? You're in the right place if you're ready to own your power. I'm Coach Simone Kelly, holistic business coach and life coach with Own Your Power Communications. Our radio show and coaching programs are designed to help you live the life that you deserve. Make some noise, studio. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> As always, we want to give a special thanks to our partners at Media 55. Stan Harris and Trent Partridge. And as usual, I'm sitting next to my handsome Puerto Rican brother from the Bronx, Herman Dubois. What's good, y'all? Ooh, ooh! What's going on, Herman? Uh, life. Life is good. Life you is shaved good. off the beard? Nah. Temporarily? Nah. You can still see it. Got a little oh, fade. Five o'clock shadow? Nah, Did nah, you make nah. a mistake this morning? Come on. Stop <laughs> As long as I've been doing that, I don't make mistakes on my face no more. Like, I think on. it happens to some people, though, doesn't it? To some people, not to more. Oh, okay. Oh, Let's get that right. Me. All right. Let's get that right. So how you been? I was going to say something else, but never mind. Um, <laughs> just keep it clean. We just started. Since when? Wait, wait till we get like 20 minutes Since in at least. 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That's a sequel. No, it's been good. It's been, been, been busy. Been, uh, you know, on the grind. And, uh, this weekend was nice. Just to be able to chill, disconnect a little bit mentally. What about you? Uh, any any great, I'm, any I'm, great I'm amazing experiences mode. you've I'm, had in the last couple of weeks? I'm in, any oh, great amazing oh yeah oh yeah hint hint yes I'm sorry I'm yelling at the I'm yelling too loud sorry mm-hmm. um yeah actually I was a part of an amazing training program for coaches um called up to us up to our sports oh hosted by you can tell who's hosted by right can can you guys tell mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> by um Herman Dubois and 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 you're the, what's your title again the director regional director regional director of oh, Miami Miami up to our sports Miami office. yeah it was actually pretty impressive I was really proud of you um to see you in action and see all the things you do and they were like how many coaches like eighty coaches eighty five coaches eighty five coaches registered from as far as New Orleans and Memphis and Boston and New York and then a bunch of folks from Miami. That we're here locally on the ground. Yeah, I got a lot, a lot of new friends um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a lot of connections. But I learned a lot. I mean, it, it was basically teaching us how to um, coach, well, how to work with children. Really, yeah, basically, it's about uh, youth development practices mm-hmm. uh, that anybody who works with young people should uh, sort of be familiar with in a very introductory level. But uh, and it's a lot of hands-on programming and not just the theory in the classroom, PowerPoint stuff, but also games and and and, and uh, exercises to demonstrate you know the power of play right that's really the key and and that was actually pretty funny because the first day we walk in um people are like playing playing different sports 
games, box yeah, square. And then her mom's like, get in there, play, make friends, like like a kid. I was like, what? That's just nine o'clock in the morning. I feel like play. <laughs> and before you know it, I was like the most competitive one right. there. I was now, like, you're cheating. Right, exactly. 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 <laughs> but um, it, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. So thank you for um, inviting you're us. You're welcome. welcome. And um, yeah, I was there with Monica Gonzalez, who's a, a co host of um, On Your Power. Like, Well, not the Lifestyle. So she's on the Holistic Healing Hour show. But um, we were there representing Sweet Eden, which is her nonprofit. And we're going to be doing a lot of programs for children. So um, it definitely helped us a lot. So if anybody's interested in learning more, what's the website? Uptoussports.org. Wonderful. All right. So he's like, something life-changing happened to you this weekend? Anything? Anything? <laughs> it really was. It really was. And I, I saw a lot of synergies in it's, our work, which I thought would... transform people, especially if you work with young people every yeah. day. It gives you just a lot more information about how to go about handling... Uh, the challenges that young people face. Yeah, I, l- I love like the interactive games and the intuitive games, which I thought was really fun because I was like, that's what I do in my day-to-day. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, so for, if you're new to listening to Own Your Power, we want to welcome you. Uh, we have listeners worldwide uh, from Miami to Italy. So um, if you're, you're new to the family, please jump right in, learn more about us by going to ownyourpowerlifestyle.com. We have loads of events, services, and uh, memberships that you can take, take part of. And, um, you know, also we're, our main goal is to help you with your personal and professional growth. Um, last uh, time we did a show, we actually had my literary coach, um, who is amazing. Her name is Claudette Freeman, and um, she um, helped us with the topic, Discovering the Writer Inside of You. Did you start your memoir yet? No, but I, 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 <laughs> I did, you know, as, as you know, I've, I've moved not too long ago, so I still have a box or two unpacking, and I came across one of my old journals, and I just thought it was hilarious oh, to kind of like stuff. read and stuff and just... Can we have a reading? Negative. <laughs> I'm coming over. I want to see this. Not produced for publication. (laughs) But what what was so funny about it? Just to see your growth. It was more just about when 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 you're in the moment and you're writing, and maybe you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, and you don't see where Mm -hmm. life journey will take you, and then you can look back and see, wow, like even when you thought it was going well, you know, and maybe things got were better than you expected, or maybe things took a turn for the worse, or you know, it's just the fact that you can reflect, right, right. I'm not looking at it from like a grammatical or, or, or content in terms of like did did I express myself, like, but more so like where are, I've been in my life. Right, thing, right. So. Yeah, I think j- journaling is a, is a very powerful tool that people need to take. take um, Especially when you're emotional. Like, I, was, I was writing it. I was mad. I was angry. Oh, that like, must have been funny as So for me, it was like screaming <laughs> on paper. You right, know, right, type right. Of thing. Um, so yeah. And then in the, in the paper well, from the pen really hard? No. no. <laughs> He's a Scorpio. Um, <laughs> Nonetheless, so you want to talk about that show? Well, yeah, the last show. What did we talk about? Well, the, the whole discovering of the writing, the writer inside each of us. And I think that the beautiful part about that is that writing as a profession, I think as a field, has, has opened up so much. You know, like, you know, with technology, people blogging and you got people tweeting. and you, There's so many ways a, write, a person can express themselves where it's not just a traditional, I'm a journalist or right. I'm an author or, you know, like, and I think that it's it's a beautiful thing, especially when you look at it from an education perspective. Writing is a fundamental skill that so many of our young people lack, and I don't think that pe- that that writing is is taught in a way that inspire people to be writers. Like people are taught to write because you have to write to be in any field. But are people really in, um, challenged to become writers? Right, right, right. Yeah, I guess it depends on what, where you go to school. Because I had some really good creative writing classes. And but think about it, you had you some really good creating writing, which means that it took a teacher who was special to inspire you to tap into that to get you to realize, oh wow, like like everybody can write, but no, I can write a little better, or I can, you know. And so my thing is, 
writing should be taught that way from the from kindergarten until you're out of formal schooling because writing is a skill set that you need for the rest of your life. Even if right. you're not physically writing and you're on a keyboard, it's another form of communication. Right. And a big challenge in our world is communication. I think they need a, a, a writing uh, emails or business letter class. I don't know if they have that, but they need they need a class for that because I've seen some. But it's just like I remember being in school where you had to write a business letter or you were taught right. to write you know, different types of letters. Now it's... All out the window now with technology. Right. Well, if you missed that show and you want to find out more, all you got to do is go to ownyourpowerlifestyle.com, click radio, and look for the Own Your Power Lifestyle playlist. So, so who do we have gracing our living room tonight? Well, it's a, a nice uh, nice uh, panel of experts. Uh, we actually have, again, Cla- Claudette Freeman is back yeah. in the house, literary coach. And we have Dr. Barry Weinberg, who's actually um, on a show in the past. Um, and he's he's actually a chiropractor, but he's also the founder of A Place for Healing. And um, they actually host um, one of our Give and Take events okay. um, once, once a nice. month. So Very nice. It's in, Big um, ups. Yeah, really nice, really nice spot. Um, and then Zay Live is in the house. In the building, uh, <laughs> he is, he's actually um, going to talk about his, his book and his book that's coming out. But for those who don't know, I'm sure most people do know him. He's um, actually a, a co-host on On Your Power Lifestyle show when Hermana's out of town. Um, and he helped. He actually helped me out with um, Monica as well. And Monica had, had a lead, So he's our. <laughs> and what are we talking about tonight? What's, what's tonight's topic about since we have these great guests? Tonight's the topic is um, about publishing, self-publishing, um, traditional publishing versus self-publishing. So we're going to kind of get into um, the do's and don'ts of both. And um, Is there such a thing as like black market publishing? I don't know what that is. What, well, what anything mean? in general that's referred like to the print black it, market. Print up at Staples is, and selling like, on the corner? No, no. Not necessarily. <laughs> I mean... I guess in a way, it's like, for example, think of music. People are that sounds like if you steal somebody's work and, and print no, it up like no, a No, we're not talking about plagiarism. Okay. We're talking about publishing. Well, we'll when we we'll, come back, we'll, we'll ask because we'll I have it. no idea what we'll you're talking about. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll ask when we come back. Um, as far as the black market, I don't know. It sounds crazy. But um, all right, so when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, hold that question for, for um, Claudette. Maybe she knows the answer. So we'll be right back with the Own Your Power Lifestyle Show. Keep it locked. You're the 
What's up, y'all? This is Mike Easy, down with Own Your Power Radio team. In case you don't know by now and you ain't found out yet, we're edgy, fun, educational, and not afraid to tackle other topics that other radio stations won't. Tune in and keep it locked to Own Your Power Radio. Hi, my name is Sekou of LembaHealingArts.com, and I am a member of the Give and Take Network. You're listening to Own Your Power Radio. Welcome back to the Own Your Power Lifestyle Show. I'm Coach Simone Kelly in the living room with Herman Dubois. And today's topic is <laughs> traditional ver- publishing versus self-publishing. And um, in the living room, we have uh, Claudette Freeman. Welcome to the show again. Yep. Woo! Thank you. Packed house here tonight. And, and we also have Dr. Barry Weinberg. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Barry's getting loose. The Brooklyn's coming out. <laughs> so brief- briefly tell us what exactly do you do? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot Zay Live. Oh, Zay Live is in the building. Yeah. 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 Get it right. Get it right. <laughs> All right. So let's go around the room real quick and tell everybody what we do. I am a literary coach and editor for authors of fiction and nonfiction books. Okay. okay. I am Dr. Barry Weinberg. I'm a chiropractor specializing in network spinal analysis at a place for healing. A published author, self-published author, and I'm also a songwriter. Okay. Zayla. I'm Zay Live. I'm a neuroscientist. I also <laughs> perform nuclear power um, transitions. And in my spare time, I heal people. <laughs> to do random blood transfusions. Be serious. Random, random blood transfusions. <laughs> what do you do? Aphoresis. <laughs> this is Zay Live. I'm, I'm a host. I'm everything. What? What? You're here because I'm here primarily because I'm, I'm talking about book. We're talking about publishing. I'm talking about innovative ways to um, get your book out there and do magnificent things. Get your word in the street. Okay. All right. So let, let's start from square one, you know, because there's a lot of people that don't know the difference between self-publishing and also traditional publishing. So can you just break that down for us? And Traditional publishing means you're going to shop your book to an agent who will then shop your book to a major publishing house. Uh, self-publishing and or independent publishing means that you may still end up shopping your book to a degree, but by and large you are going to work with a company or you're going to form a company and and do all of the financial investment into your book project. 
Okay, wow, you just summed that up really nicely. Well, it's been a great show. Okay. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Great, thanks for coming out. <laughs> Same bill. No, and, and I, I'm, you know, I want to talk about um, some of the things that have changed over the years, too, because um, um, basically one of the things that I noticed is, you know, when I first did my, my first book, it was like 2005 or 2000 and, mm-hmm. 2004, 2005. Uh, and I had to order... A bunch of books had you know had to have them in my house sitting there you know, <laughs> uh, and now there's print on demand. So I think if you can break right. that down, because a lot of people don't understand well, that. In difference. 2004 and 2005, self-publishing was really still kind of frowned upon, you know, because so many people were self-publishing had started self-publishing and books were being produced that were not uh, grammatically sound. They were not professionally presented, and so self-publishing was really frowned upon. But then. Um, those who were self-publishing got really smart. They realized that they could sell books. And so in order to really sell books from a look and content perspective, they really had to put good quality material out there. Right, right. So suddenly self-publishing became as popular as going the traditional route, especially when some major authors actually started um, doing independent publishing outside of their major book contracts. Right. So then the self-publishing... Um, it kind of became on par with the traditional publishing, um, the traditional publishing methods. So over the years, though, it's it's really kind of shifted. So then you did have to buy large quantity of books, but right. now that so many self-publishing houses will allow you to do print on demand, right? Um, it's it's a lot easier. The thing is, you have to be very careful and really do your research because most self-publishing houses will sell you into packages. And therein lies the problem. Like Such what kind as, of package? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're like, don't, don't keep us on because the, you know they'll they'll grab you. They'll say you know get published for six ninety nine, and you look at this wonderful list of all of this stuff that they offer. You know, a marketing kit and this, that, and the other thing. But when you mm-hmm. look at the quantity of books you get, you may only get twenty books. Oh, jeez. But you're paying more for all the services. Exactly. Right. But the thing is, at 20 books, how much are you going to sell books for in order to make back your investment of $699? Right, right. You know, so you have to really, you have to really look at, at your overall cost, and you have to then determine is $699 for a package really going to be everything you need to successfully market that first round of books. Right. It's like $40 a book. <laughs> Basically, when you look at it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and Barry, for you, you you start you you haven't published in a while, right? You said it was different yeah, when you started. Yeah, my two books it. were published in two thousand and two thousand four. Yeah, it was a whole other world back then, right? And um, there was no social media, there was no Amazon, there was no. It was getting down on the street with bot books and getting into Barnes and Noble and getting into Borders Books and mm-hmm. going out three four times a week and giving talks to and putting your books in the back of the room. And um, but we did sell. Over ten thousand copies of our book, wow, just awesome. us working on your own. And um, um, did you sell them in bulk, or did you? Those are all individual. Like, did somebody Barnes buy like? And Noble borders. Just, and no, but I'm saying like. And then when Amazon came out, which was shortly after that, we we you know jumped on that as well, and you know sold stuff on Amazon and um But I think it would be a lot easier nowadays, right? Because you do have that social media. You can do webinars. You can do all that Mm -hmm. stuff. But the principles are the same, which is go out and talk to people, right? You know, and 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 educate people. Well, what I was trying to say is, is sometimes you have organizations buy your book, not necessarily bookstores, but I'm talking about organizations or groups, people at at a at a 
in a lump sum. Professors, you can sell a lot. Professors will make their book required reading for their class. Right, there you go. The department chair. Yeah. And have the department chair make it. My book, A Clear Path to Healing, was actually bought by USC, the University of South South, um, South Carolina. Look at that. In the nutrition class. Used my book as the textbook. Now, did you solicit that? How did you get that? Yeah. It just popped up. They fa- found out about it and um, called me, and we sold wow. a few so cases. Is that, of the book. is that where like a publicist might come into play, where you would be able to have somebody contracted to really, you know, um, do that? Then you know, take your product and then try to shop it across different markets yeah, across I'm sure the country. Would, I, I never did that. You know, I did it all myself. Which um, I'm sure somebody like Claudette or a publicist would, you know, be able to. It's one of guide you more effectively. One of the things, I guess, uh, especially with our book, we, it's strategic partnerships. So if you know that you, um, if you know that there's a potential for your textbook to be used in a collegiate kind of platform, then you would probably partner with some of the professors there that may, you know, align. So right. as co-authors, if you will, right. So once you do that, or the introduction, um, yeah, the introduction, different things. And and what happens when you do that is now there's a reason because they were involved with the development of the book. They teach at Yale, you know, and then now they can potentially include that in their curriculum. Right. Um, so, I mean, you, it's the way you design a book, so it's definitely something you can do. Tell us about your book. Art album. So the art album, that's one of the things that we actually did. Um, it's a, a book that talks about the relationship between music and art. And so one of the things that we did, we partnered with um, Nikki Giovanni, Russell Simmons, um, Danny Simmons, um, different artists um, from the visual art side and from the music side. And then the people who were involved who helped us, you know, different professors and stuff like that that got engaged, we knew that we wanted this body of work to kind of be something that would document the history but also be used as a, a, a tool to teach about that relationship and to take a snapshot of this era, you know, um, and, and what we're creating now. So we had those strategic relationships um, established with, you know, um, you know, folks who were in the um, uh, educational field on different levels because, you know, that's the application of it. And it sounds like it also crosses over industries because, it's, yeah. I mean, the academic world cuts across, but then you've got the music world, right. you've got the art world, and if you've got buy-in from folks who've contributed to the book, they're going to want to promote it that's in right. their respective fields, and so... You just maximize yeah. the exposure of it. <clears throat> so, what are what are some? Do you want to? Add I think he raises a good point because I, I remember a few years ago um, there was a Christian fiction author, and one of the characters in her book was going through a journey, and she was attending Weight Watchers in the book. Mm. So, in the course of marketing her book, she partnered with Weight Brilliant. Watchers yeah. and did signings at Weight Watchers wow. across the country, wow. and it ended up being a wonderful partnership. Mm-hmm. For us. So it was a creative idea, yeah. but it absolutely worked for her. And, and that's leveraging approach that they use in movies. You know, in movies all the time, when product they have the branding and product placement, if you know that there's something in your book, a theme or an improvement, self-improvement, or whatever that thing might be, you strategically align that with a product that, you know, parallels that same, you know, vision. Exactly. It's the same concept that the movie industry did by now placing rappers into roles. Mm-hmm. And then they do a soundtrack. Right. And now their name, they're a terrible actor, but their name is going to bring their fan base with them to see the show. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I think you, you kind of highlighted it a little earlier, um, but, you know, let's, let's, let's slow it down a little bit for our novice audience who really is taking notes because there are some folks who really come away with this from an academic perspective. But what are the basic steps in a, from a traditional to non-traditional Comparison when you think about, you know, sort of getting published, getting edited, get, getting to an agent, getting a deal, like the chronological order that would traditionally happen in the most, I guess, ideal 
way and then versus when you go independent you skip some of those well, steps we're gonna hold the independent part to the second se segment because we have it's too much to cover well, <laughs> in both segments you do the you do your writing first of course and then you go through um, an editing process in the traditional sense once you're you've gone through your initial editing and rewrite process you're then going to to shop or solicit for an agent and you want to look for an agent that is specifically selling books in the genre or style of writing that you're writing. So you wouldn't go looking for you wouldn't go looking for a nonfiction agent if you're writing science fiction. Because chances are they're really not so going to be. So agents actually have specialties. Agents absolutely wow. have specialties. So you want to look for an agent that specializes in what you're writing. That agent is then going to determine whether or not they think they can sell your book to a major publishing house. So you may actually end up shopping for an agent anywhere from three months to six months. And once an agent signs you, it could actually be anywhere from six months to a year to a year and a half before they're able to find your publishing deal. And when they take can, sign you, what does that exactly That means mean? they take you on as a client. So they'll take you on and say, okay, I'm going to represent you. Now, are you, you paying them or are they paying you? Typically, they work out something from whatever you cut with the the publishing house it's usually so, 10 to 15 percent it depends. depends yeah yeah it depends. um can you i want to slow down for a second because I, I actually came across some notes from a seminar i went to with a bunch of agents and um we were asking them what are the things that they look for what are the do's and don'ts and i thought it was pretty interesting because these are some pretty um popular agents and, and i don't know if it's changed this is pretty old information but um now, people take a lot of things digitally, right? Right? They don't just, you don't have to mail it in anymore, like back in the day? Yeah, most of them actually will tell you you have to submit it via you still have email. To, oh, email, but not, I mean, it's not like right. back in the day we had no. to have it rubber bands and send no. it in a box. And I all mean, that. you still have to send it specifically the, the way that agent right. requested. Right, right. So you may not actually have to send the whole manuscript initially. You may have to just send a query letter in a couple of chapters. That's what I was going to say. That some of them um, um, require a query letter and um, maybe the first three chapters and a synopsis of the book. And they said that that first impression is everything. So don't have typos in your freaking email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they, they talked about um, make sure you research your idea, your topic to make sure it stands out. Um, really have that clear on what, what would be appealing. And then one, one of the um, agents said she hates labored writing with four similes and metaphors um, that the book should flow smoothly and take the reader in. Uh, some other, there was some really pretty inf interesting stuff. And they it were really saying. just depends on the agent. Yeah, everybody has their own different taste. Yeah, their own yeah. Thing. Because um, some agents will tell you they only want books that are women's historical fiction. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, so it really depends on the agent. And another thing, well, this is fiction we're talking about because I mean it's nonfiction too. But with fiction, they were saying that they really want the characters to be three dimensional and you know have have. Something that pe the average person can relate to. They want to know. They want to know They're that relatable. you have the technical stuff sound. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you're writing fiction stuff, from a nonfiction perspective, you know there are some instances where you can go the agent route, and then there are some instances where you can do what's called a book proposal. Right. You don't that, have to write the whole book at all, right? Right. Well, I mean, if you sell the book proposal, yeah, because the book proposal basically is to get a publisher to pick you up, or to get someone to pay for the cost of producing your book. So if, you, if you're doing a book um, like he was talking about or even a book like A Clear Path to Healing, which is a nonfiction book which is going to serve a very targeted audience, mm -hmm. then you can put together a book proposal that sells the concept for the book, sells the target audience, the marketing audience for the book. But you have to really know 
where your book is going, who it's going to attract. It's almost like you have to be an expert in that field. You have to, in that content area. Or you have to know somebody that can really pull together a book proposal for you. Right. Yeah. So let me ask. So the selling or the pitching process in in the agent or the book proposal field um, area is extremely, um, is extremely important. You have to really do your research. Don't spend a lot of time pitching to somebody that's not selling your kind of book. Mm -hmm. You know? That's, That's a great... Um, I mean, you know, I, I guess in dealing with different types of folks, like we had to really force this on certain, you know, publishing houses. Like they was looking at us when we was there, like, yeah, and this is what it is. And we mentioned, even the names we mentioned, they were just like, yeah, okay, well, you know, whatever. When we pitched it to the right folks, they were like, that's brilliant. And you always want to go with someone who believes in your vision. And because they're going to push it with that same passion, you right. know, as opposed to you force feeding this to somebody and they putting it on the bottom of their book list, you know, and then you're waiting for who knows how long before they actually release your book or they don't release it at all because it's not priority and they don't believe in it anymore. Right. So, yeah, it makes great sense. Well, um, I want to just kind of go over uh, as far as the, the agent side. Like, how do you. Um, do you have to get like a lawyer to look at stuff? Like, can we add, talk about that? At what you point sh- do you do that? You sh- yeah. when when somebody hands you a contract, mm-hmm. the moment somebody hands you a contract, don't get all excited and, and sign, sign anything. It. Yeah, yeah. And, and <clears throat> authors and writers, especially first time writers, are very eager. And you think because mm-hmm. you got a contract, that means you made it, right? Um, but get a lawyer. The moment they hand you a contract, get a lawyer. You know, one of the lines. But I- get a lawyer that is familiar. That knows, yeah, <laughs> right. Right, get a, you know, you get a, right or get entertainment, entertainment lawyer yeah. who's familiar with publishing, who's familiar with intellectual property and creative rights, and all of that kind of stuff to look over your contract. One of the things that um, I found in my notes that, that I was really I was happy I didn't sign some contract um, was she said never give your movie rights away. No, and um, I've seen contracts where they ask for no. percentage of your movie rights. And even in the self-publishing industry, you have to be careful because a lot of companies will present you with a contract, mm-hmm. and some of those contracts now say that they want you to sign a two or three book deal with them. And I would tell any new author, don't ever sign a, a publishing contract with a self-publishing company that's going to sign you into two or three books, right? Because then that means you're putting a traditional publishing company who may want to put you up in a position to have to fight right, to get, to right, get right. you out of a contract. It's, like and so, it's the same thing in the music industry with the label. It's the same thing. It really is. It's yeah. very similar. So I told don't ever, don't, for me, that's a, don't do it. And I've talked to other lawyers about it, and they, they tell me the same thing. If it's a self-publishing contract, why would I, why would I sign myself into two or three books right. with you? If I'm putting out the money, then I can just go form my own company right. and do it myself. The whole point is for, to have your independence. So, um, and I think... The thing that people need to take away from this is that just because you're self-publishing doesn't mean that nobody wanted to sign you. Because um, I do know a few, like you, you mentioned earlier, I know a few authors that get hit up all the time, like big Simon & Schuster, you know, uh, HarperCollins want them. And they're like, no, I'm good. I'm going to do it on my own because they're making money on their own. Right. And they understand the business. They understand how much control you lose. And I just want to mention a couple of things, and I want you guys to jump in. Um, the advantages of, of mainstream is... Um, well, it's kind of, to me, it's a disadvantage, but they help you with the illustration, the typesetting, promotion. Um, however, a lot, of art, a lot of people that I know that are writers that are bestsellers still have full-time jobs, part-time jobs, and they still have to do a lot of hustling. They have to do a lot of promotion and getting the oh, word absolutely. out there. And I think that people, to. there's a misconception that once you're, you're, you're in the big time now, you don't got to do anything. No. But that's not the case. 
No, you, know. you still have to, you know, um, excellent example of that was years ago. Remember when Terry McMillan was going through that that stuff and she was getting divorced and everything, mm-hmm. and she was dropping a book in the midst of this very public and nasty divorce. And so the, the, the concept was that the book was about the whole divorce since how Stella got her groove back was right. about how she got the man. Right, right, and right. And the book had nothing to do with that. Right. But in the midst of that, she released this book. She was on every national network, every entertainment show talking about the divorce and the book. Right as the second side story when she was supposed to be talking about the book. Right. But she said at the National Black Book Club conference that year that in the midst of all of that, all of that free publicity going on for the book, mm-hmm. she still ended up having to spend $50,000 of her own money oh, my goodness. for marketing and advertising. And she was signed with a major company. Exactly, yeah. So a lot of people don't, don't understand so don't, that. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'm just going to wrap up with um, a couple of disadvantages. Obviously, you don't have as much control. Um, one of the things that I, I remember somebody telling me um, was that they can just say, oh, we don't like that character. Why don't you combine those two people and make them one character? You know, cut off 50 pages out of your book. You know, th- they can literally just slice and dice your book. And obviously, editors help they do that too but um you don't have as much control and also um the cover of the book you don't really have much control over that either and they because they have marketing people am i correct unless you're james patterson if you're james patterson eric jerome dickey yeah you, oh yeah, yeah you they have could. control over it you think so you, you, you know you probably i don't know they've, got, they've gotten to that point in their careers it's, yeah it's a point that she's saying is yeah that they can say established yeah yeah writer i I still know people that, like I said, bestsellers that don't have that much control. <laughs> but, yeah, so I just think those, those are some things. But anything else you want to add that are disadvantages of being self-published versus, you know, not um, I mean, the, the, the major disadvantage of being self-published is you're going to have to hustle extra hard. Mm-hmm. And you have to be prepared to put the financial investment into it. And you need you a following, too. You can't kind of jump out there and then pull back. Well, yeah, I mean, but you build up. Your, now it's, it's easier to build up a following because you have all of the social media um, but you still have to be able to put the hustle in and you still have to be able to be creative in your marketing approach and you still have to be able to say, okay, you know what, just because my book is, is African-American fiction doesn't mean I want to market it or promote it the same way that Simone is marketing or promoting her book or just because my book is about um, a path to healing doesn't mean I want to do it the same way that, you know, he's done it. All right. What are you say? Um, another point, when I was um, self-publishing, I was told, this is going back a few years, but... Um, would have made a few cents per book with traditional publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they would sell many more than I could on my own. Right. But at the same time, my book, I may not have sold as many, but it was what I sold it for minus my cost. Right. And so I was making $10, $11 a book. Oh, wow. You had a greater profit gain. Right. Instead of 10 or $0.11 cents exactly. per book. Exactly, yeah. So you don't have to sell as many. And every time you sell a book... If you, I had Dream Reality Productions LLC. That was my company. Mm-hmm. So if I was out giving a talk and I sold thirty books um, for ten bucks a pop for an hour of talk, it was you know you made three hundred bucks that evening. Mm-hmm. You know where if um, you were selling through a publisher, you would have made about three bucks you know, for the same amount of books. So I'm sure today, you know, even though the technology is differently. Um, when you self-publish, you know, I, I got an editor. I printed the books. Mm-hmm. I stocked them. You know, I was my own publishing company, and I made the profits because of that. Right. Well, let's uh, let's look to hit a pause button and uh, take a little commercial break. We'll be right back with the Own Your Power Lifestyle Show after these messages and some music. Pocket full of lint. Gas tank is on E. But pride won't let me take nobody's sympathy The only thing I own 
my voice and these keys But if you ask me what that's worth I'll tell you I won the lottery yeah, yeah, yeah. So I keep on taking chances Steady making moves Full of so much music I don't know what to do time to be a man it's time to pick and choose it's only two options in the swing or lose two three cause i'm a rock star baby with a brand new mercedes heavy left parked in my heart said i'm a rock star baby platinum and gold floating around in my mind Baby, it's hard to believe Cause y'all look the same in the dark, yeah A rockstar, baby Keep rolling with me And we'll rise to the top of the charts, yeah Dropped out of college Kanye West style Thought I could make it with my looks and my smile I missed his message Somewhere, somehow Nobody gets fed Without opening their mouth I gotta work For this passion I found Girl, please keep me humble Keep my feet on the ground Cause when I blow up I mean, when we blow up There's just no telling what's in store for us Two, three Cause I'm a rock star, baby With a brand new Mercedes Beverly Hills Park in my heart Said I'm a rock star, baby Platinum and gold Floating around in my mind Said I'm a rock star, baby It's hard to believe Cause y'all are the same in the dark, yeah A rock star, baby
Welcome back to the Own Your Power Lifestyle Show. I'm Coach Simone Kelly in the living room with Armand Dubois and uh, a lot of other people. Make some noise, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that much noise. <laughs> All right, we got, um, we're here talking about publishing versus, self-publishing versus traditional publishing. So uh, you had a comment you wanted to bring up. Well, one of the things when you're doing self-publishing and, you know, respect to innovative marketing so you have you can go with physical books that you actually have printed out and then you have ebooks you know and, and then the third one of course is on-demand books right but i wanted to understand the difference between or the risk between ebooks and, and the physical book you know um in this age where you know you know uh, it, it's that's a transition you know you don't buy a physical cd anymore you buy music an mp3 so this ebook thing what do you guys think about that well, I think it really depends on the book. Like for me, I have a Kindle, mm-hmm. and I primarily what you'll find on my Kindle is is like little books that caught my eye, um, that I probably wouldn't buy a hard copy. But when it comes to books that I'm going to read, and I'm one of those people that rereads books, I always buy a physical books. Now I do have some, like I have a Sister Soldier connect collection on my ebook, mm-hmm. but I have every one of Sister Soldier's books on my on my bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends on the audience on the audience like if if I was you know clearly I wouldn't put a children's book on Kindle although I have children's books on my Kindles because it keeps my niece Mm -hmm. busy when she's with me um, and I don't have to carry the books but it really depends on the audience I have a friend that published a book called Nine Thought Paths to Happiness or something like that and he published via Mm ebook and that was the only way he went for the first six months and he did very well until people started saying you know are you going to do a physical book that's interesting so it's a good Understanding your demographic is important because some people like newspapers, some people like online, you know, going to CNN.com. And when I guess so then understanding your demographic and how they consume your product is important in making that decision. I I wanted to also understand what the risk potentially could be. Like, so if I'm releasing an ebook, you know, in music, it destroyed the music industry when we went to a digital format. So and, you know, the beautiful thing about books is it's still there's still that physical quality. When we go to an electronic quality, then the duplication is potentially there. I don't know if it's as uh, controlled. You know, if I saw it downloaded to Are my Are they like Kindle. passwords? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't done a Kindle, a Kindle yet. So. So, I've often seen you could type in the title of a book, PDF on Google. It pops can, right it up. pops up. The whole book? The whole book, PDF. Okay. So, yeah. So, so, yeah, okay. There are some risks associated with it. Yeah. Now, and I guess it also depends on the stage and what you're doing. Um, over the break, we discussed um, an online um, service that the kids are using now, you know, the teens and tweens, where kids who are just beginning writers and just right. people from all walks of life, they just write and they post, and they develop a following as a result of that. And, exactly. and this is a great marketing approach. It was one of the things that we like to um, engage in is you can actually create your following by giving small excerpts and letting people see samples of your work. So when you finally do release a work, you know, they can jump on it. You mentioned earlier, what was the gentleman you said that kind of started that with the movie? Uh, um, David Mitchell. Yeah, David he Mitchell. Wrote Cloud Atlas, and he, he has a book called Slate House. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a book called Slate House that he originally wrote on Twitter. Wow. And he put out excerpts of chapters, and mm-hmm. he got this following, and I think it's coming out in October. Wow. And I guess that's one of the things of being... On Twitter? Isn't Twitter 140 characters? Yeah. Yeah, how crazy is that? Now, that's what you call... But it's innovative. <laughs> right. I mean, you yeah. know, so yeah, that, that, is means, that means creative. in those 140 characters, he had to say something a lot, yeah. to make you come he back wrote, to look at He wrote a you. novel called Slate House by doing that. 
Wow. What's interesting in understanding the demographic too and using that marketing format, you can't you have to be oh, very concise. You you can't your just writing you know, style is directly your writing style can't be as you, you have to change your writing style based on the medium that you're using to market it. Right. You know, so you don't have that freedom anymore. You know, uh, just like Instagram, you know, it's, it's five seconds. You better do a lot in five seconds. <laughs> you don't have a lot of time to build this thing up, right? right. So you want to make sure whatever you do put out there, if you're going to put out a sample that, uh, 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 that demonstrates your writing style, it better be concise. It better be concise and it better be good. Better be great. <laughs> right, 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 right. Now, my son's in fifth grade now and um, every day he has to read. Yeah. And um, they don't tell him, go download this book. He goes to the library and gets the book. Wow. physical book really so you know there's still a place for you know sitting on the couch and holding paper I like turn, old time I like old school books I don't you know, turning the page and, and yeah, yeah but the they're book. not using the Dewey Decimal system anymore like, no they're not exactly <laughs> no. So. no trust me they're not but I don't think ebooks will ever and there's always been this argument about this since mm-hmm. you know ebooks became popular I don't think ebooks will ever replace hard copy books because avid readers who are going to read and who are going to make purchases will always buy books and book club members but even if they buy it on the kindle are always going to buy books because because when you when we go somewhere to see an author we want the author to sign Sign our book because you know we think we have something to value then but but it goes back to to today's point about knowing your demographic group because i think that because i think that in reality it's a matter of time uh, I'm, see, I'm I'm in the academic world, and I see my daughter's in, in college, and and we were having a debate last year, which started off her monies that I was trying to provide her to buy textbooks. You know, when I was in college, you got an allotment of money that covered your books for the yep, semester. Yep. You try to resell them at the end of the year to yep. get some money mm-hmm. back, and then maybe buy the used one next. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, so "How much money do you need for books?" She goes, "I'm good." And I was like, "What do you mean you're good?" <laughs> <laughs> she pulled out her iPhone and was like, yeah. brah, book list. And I yeah. was like, okay, that's good if you're doing like on the subway and you're trying to read while you get. I was like, but, you know, you need a book with margins and a highlighter. No, she said, dad, look. She said, dad, look. No, no, she said, look. She pulled out, she had her, her iPhone yeah. and then she pulled out her iPad, iPad and, and, synced, and had sections highlighted with notes oh, in the wow. margin, yeah. professor's comments. I still need my. And I was like, school. and I was feeling real incompetent and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, yeah, but, you know, what if you have to, like, you know, study with some. She was like. <laughs> Email here that chapter, you know, and, oh, and, wow. and so everything now is yeah. the technology there yeah, is yeah. being provided that the, unless you're an avid, avid book collector or a person who's going to see yeah, the author and get a book signing, the average person isn't. Right. I don't know, but I think you're pointing you're pointing out what what he's saying is your demographic because my niece is, is in college too, and it's the same thing. You know, she she was like, no, I got stuff on my Kindle and I got a bookmarked and this, that, and the other thing, and we can share titles and yeah. blah 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 blah. So that demographic is definitely going to to buy the ebook, but even with her, at the same time, is you know she'll still buy, you know, hard copy books, but it's not it's not the stuff they're using in school. You know, she's buying urban fiction, right, for, for her own leisurely reading. Yeah, right. but it also comes with the, the influence that she's had in being exposed to you being the avid right. book collector. Which right. again, you're in the minority. You you are in the single digit percentile of society that is an avid book reader. We and there's research that shows reading in general is decreasing. It's you know. Decreasing. So in 10, 15 years from now, it'd be interesting to have this discussion to see how many Barnes & Nobles there's, there are. Are they now virtual cafes? I'm, and we see where it's gone. I mean, you know how many bookstores have gone out of business in the last Local bookstores right. are almost out of business. Borders is gone. Right. Yeah, yeah, I know. I used to love Borders. But I guess my concern is, you know, 
God forbid there's really a zombie apocalypse. There's no electricity. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we no, need this books. Is a, this is a valid point. <laughs> and this is an argument that, you know, has been you taking know, I'm, place. I'm being I mean, silly, in general. I, just, I would show. prefer to have my own. No, you're right. History books, books, for instance. Like, so if that's we, how they destroy if we, trans, if we transition everything to an electrical format, right. we, we have nothing everything. physical and we lose everything. I mean, imagine if the Egyptians just did it all on their computers. <laughs> they wrote it on the walls for the love of God and now we can still read it. Just destroyed the wall. What are they going to read of us? Huh? They're going to pull up one of these little bricks and say, You're gonna have a this chip laptop in your is finger. dead. They're going to have a chip in your finger. These people and... were stupid. Look at They looked at black screens all day. <laughs> it's just not the same. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's get back to self-publishing. What are the steps for that? Like, as far as like you know, because I know there's so many different options out there. You know, yeah, all of there's it is do, all of it is do your research. Pay attention to the packages. Pay attention to the contract. If you want to be able to at least do a hundred books, your first run, because mm-hmm. your first run is where the bulk of your cost is going to be, because you're going to have first-time tech set up. You're going to have you know, your book covering, your layout design, and all of your first-time costs are going to be entailed in that first round of books mm-hmm. with which, with whichever company you go with. So you want to be able to at least pull 100 books out of your first order so that you can at least start to realize some of your profit back quicker. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of authors on their first round of books will probably break even. They typically won't make any profit. Right. But you're not going to make a profit if you end up with a package that only gives you 20 books. You know, and you end up having to sell the book for 40 bucks each to kind of do anything. So, you know, so with the self-publishing, number one, make sure your your book is, is edited very well. Make sure you've designed a cover that's going to catch attention well, because slow, covers slow, 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 Let's slow down because that's a huge part that I want to cover, the editing part. Because a lot of people think, oh, let me just have my friend Sally check it out. Let, let's, what, no, what are the options? <laughs> Sally, Sally may be spell as well as you do. Mm. You know, right? And you want to find a professional friend, follow and pay them. Right. Yeah. You want to find a professional because a professional editor will catch stuff your friends won't. Right. She'll catch whether or not you know your transitions are smooth. She'll catch whether or not you know. She'll catch some of the proofreading stuff. She'll if, catch whether or not you you know you killed off a character in chapter two, but lo and behold, here the this character is in chapter seven. <laughs> came back. Right. You know, is the story consistent? Soap opera. You know, you just yeah. characters on the that then that, that that's making me think of, of a question that I wanted to ask earlier. I just was, couldn't see where to ask it. But you know, you're you're talking about all these steps of getting published, but. How do you know you have a piece worth getting published? I mean, for, on both angles. That was the last show. Tune in because, to the first because, show we did. But no, because you had <laughs> you, we, you had experiences where you thought you had quality material, and you went to different places to get, and they all rejected you. And you had legitimate writing. Then there are some folks who I think just because whether it's you know whatever writing experience they had, they think they they think they have a good storyline, but. Don't want to take no <laughs> for an answer and keep shopping you know, it. But I think I think what Dr. Barry said was a good point. It's, it's not that his content wasn't good. They thought he was too radical, which was probably and more them being afraid right. to take a chance on a field back then that was still very and, new and, and before very... Before I, I paid for the printing, um, before I printed it, I had named people read my book, give me their feedback, and those... They all said they liked it. So there's a whole testimonial page in the beginning of my book from... You know, Bob Proctor and um, yeah, big names, Wayne Dyer, Wayne Dyer, Mark him? Victor Hansen, yeah. people that read my book and appreciated it, gave me a testimonial. And now you have something that you can use in marketing to, to promote your book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to mention a book that I used as a guide back then, which is still around, 
Um, I think there's an e version of that book oh, now. Of course there is. Called um, the Self Publishing Manual by okay. a guy named Dan Pointer, P O Y N T E R. And it's not a reading book. It's step one, do this. Okay. Step two, do a this. Nice. And um, that's what I used as my guide checklist yeah. to, to self publish my book. And he's updated it a couple of times. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah that. Yeah. He also has a book on parachuting, if you're into that. Parachuting. <laughs> well, the, this last part, I, I mean, for, are we finished well, with the steps? Oh, but, but Editing. To, to answer your question, you know that you have a good book if you, one, if you see books similar to you are selling, and two, if you can take the time in the writing of the book to make, to find something, to make something different in what you're writing. You know, to make something different in what you're writing. So you got to find What's your niche. Right, you got to find your niche. You know, everybody can write a book about being a recovering drug addict, but what is your thing? How you know what was the different thing that you used to recover? Was it yoga? Was it a combination of yoga and Reiki and and some Reiki. other thing? You know, um, mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine just told me she's starting writing a book about how. You know how she started to incorporate what was called New Age religion with her Christian beliefs, and just found this whole new spiritual awakening. I told her, you know, they're gonna throw you out of the church, but right, they're gonna um, put holy water on her. But at the same time, I can assure you, she's got a large audience out there for her. Yeah, you know, and, and that's what I was about to say. You know, one thing about any type of art form, you have to trust your vision, right? right. Because if it if it's already been done, then you know. It's not worth putting out, honestly, sometimes, you know, at the end of the day. And what I mean when I say that is, you know, a lot of people will judge your book and say, oh, no, that's not going to work. It's too radical or, you know, <laughs> I've never seen anything like this before. Right. And, and it's poorly written. Sometimes your style of writing can relate to a market that's specific to you. And we've seen this in different, you know, what what was considered, you know, um, garbage one day is now brilliant the next, right. you know, because it was so innovative and new, no one could relate. No one could relate. And now who knew that hip-hop would make it this far? So I just say, oh, <laughs> We did it, say, Brooklyn. We did it. We did it. But you got to trust your vision, trust you your trust right, your you know, trust, trust what you're doing because there is, in this platform when you're self-publishing, you can put your stuff out there and test and see, you know, like why it, it, right. it, you reduce all the risk. You don't have a lot of financial investment required. You can test the market and say, do you like my stuff? Can I can I just add something that we touched on on the first the last show that we did um, is surround yourself with writers, not just your buddies, but people get to know other writers, join writing clubs, groups. Um, and I think that's what Go really ha- helped me. I mean, to this day, I still remember my first. Shout out to Tracy Grant, my first writer that I ever met. Um, it's a guy too, Tracy. Um, but <laughs> he read my book and gave me feedback, and it was it was great to get his feedback versus just my homegirls. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and then from there, I, I branched off to learn going to classes and meeting other writers. But I think that helps a lot. You know? Right. Um, right. And sometimes too, you know, to answer your question, your book just, if your book is powerful enough to touch somebody, then it needs to, to be published. Because prime example, the movie Precious was based on a book from years ago called Push, and nobody really read Push because when you read Push, it was very depressing. hard to read and it's depressing. Right. And, and there were parts of it that you figure weren't well written, but it was really, it spoke to the story. It spoke to the, to the author and, and her story and the way she told it, but the book ended up becoming Precious, you know? Well, and it's horrible. Yeah. Well, let's let's end on the note of um, promotion, because I think that's a huge part that a lot of people miss where they think, oh, I'm going to be a bestseller. And that's it. I mean, and now there's so many different secrets. I mean, she's actually smiling because she knows that's what I say all the time. <laughs> what, what, what makes a book a bestseller? Um, well, there's so many different ways. Yeah, there's different lists. 
Um, I know Amazon. That's one of the things that I've been studying. I'm like, I'm, I'm not an expert yet in it, but you know, I highly recommend go to YouTube and research it. But it's not as hard to become a bestseller like it used to be back in the day because on Amazon. Um, one of the strategies is to get all of your friends and you know fans to buy your book on the same day, um, and that way you could be a bestseller for that day and the top 100 sales. So let's say you're number 53, you can still say I'm a bestseller. You know what I mean? Um, and then you also want to um, make it really cheap. So you know probably bring it might not make any money that day. <laughs> so if your book is ten dollars, maybe sell it for four or whatever the bare minimum that you can sell it, and just let everybody know like p- pump up the promotions that that's the only day you can buy it for this cheap. Um, so that's 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 what I'm going to be doing. So stay tuned. <laughs> but um, I've studied a lot a lot of that, and then also the category that you're in. Like try to find um, so you're not like competitive with so many different people. You know. So right? Am I right? right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So that's like I'm I'm in fiction slash metaphysical. So hopefully there don't be any other metaphysical people <laughs> having a book out on that day. Um, so that's just one of the strategies. I mean, I didn't know. I was blown away by that. But New York Times bestseller is a little harder, correct? It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because New York Times, yeah. yeah. It, it speaks to quality and it also speaks it's the to hard. Sales. Is it the hardcover or the physical? They have both. It's not. They don't include digital. They don't include digital. Yeah. They have a, they have a digital bestseller list. Oh, they yeah. do now. Okay. Yeah, but the traditional New York Times bestseller list is based on quality of book mm-hmm. and your overall sales. Right. right. So you have to have some sales. Right. And but it, isn't, that mis- isn't that misleading? I mean, because... If you are a wealthy person or have a, oh, yeah, a people wealthy do that. network and just it's like flood the lotto box and you just you know get bulk purchases of your books bought and sit in a pallet in a warehouse and no one's reading, you become a bestseller because you sold X number of books. It's true. People do that because music industry, that's the same thing they used to do in music industry. Record labels would buy, you know, make their, their album platinum. But yeah, but I think with New York Times, they're, they're also pulling sales from different sources. Oh, no, they so check it. Yeah, yeah, they check it, yeah. So they're pulling from, you know, different distribution catalogs okay. and that type of it's thing. It's a legitimate process. One, one, your it, daddy's credit card. <laughs> once again, in diversifying and knowing your demographic, the market you reach may not be looking at the New York, New York Times. Times. They may be looking at Vibes Review or some right. other outlet. So Miami Times. Make sure whatever you're doing is a strategic approach to your market. Go to be number one in that specific medium or mm-hmm. whatever that do. If it's a billboard, and you know that's where you want to go. If it's a whatever that outlet is, where that's the go-to place for your type of uh, product, your type of book. Right. Make sure you're number one there because that's where your people are going to be looking. So well, I want to talk really, really briefly about the buzz that you need to create around your book. So obviously, it's really good, important to have a launch party some sort of celebration, um, and also do book signings. So what would you say to that? Like, It depends on your book. Don't always yeah. go with what's traditional because what's traditional mm-hmm. may not right. sell. No, anymore. but book signings, meaning it doesn't have to be physical. There's actually not people doing digital book tours. You know, they have book clubs. virtual book yeah, tours. Yeah, right? yeah virtual, excuse me. Virtual yeah. book tours, right, yeah. which, are, which are very popular. I personally don't like them, but they're very uh. popular. <laughs> um, but you want to you want to release your book in such a manner that fits your book, right? Right. That fits your book. I wouldn't like you know. I I said to a client of mine, she was doing a, a book for for pastors, um, something about sexual fantasies and pastors or something like that. <laughs> what bestseller? But, yeah, yeah. but but I said to her, think about releasing your book and partnering with a, like a mattress store. And Don't. doing a book release at a mattress store, you have to think outside of the box. Think about where oh, your audience. Box I know, spring. Right? <laughs> <laughs> think about where the audience is going to be. If you, if your book is geared towards black women, 
black women are going to be in two places. The hair yeah, shop just, and the uh, That's on my list. I was going to so talk about salons. Them, capture them while they're there. If you right. have a book that's, you know, geared towards men, then maybe you want to find them in a barbershop. Now, men in a barbershop, well, you know what? They may actually, depending on what your book is, they may actually be open to that. If it got pictures in it. Big words. <laughs> They'll be open pictures to that. Pictures and nice things. You yeah. know, so, so I think you have to plan your launch around something, one that fits your book, and that's going to be unique. You, you've got to find something different and creative. Now, you can't just do it the same old way. Right. And when it comes to a physical book sale, one of the things you cannot do is depend on everybody you know to buy your book. They'll tell you they will. Right. But when it comes to actually doling out the money, all of a sudden nobody has Barry's any money. shaking his head no. <laughs> they got to get no, lazy. Because when I published my book, mm-hmm. they weren't buying the book. Oh. Let me have a copy of your book. Yeah, they want a free book. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, can you support me? Strategic, part- Strategic <laughs> partnerships are important too. But, but getting out there and, and Giving talks, right? That's, how yeah. I did it. That's really powerful. Give talks, Do sell talks. books in the yeah. back of the of the store. Mm-hmm. Um, I made relationships with Borders and Barn and Noble. Um, Ingram was a distributor at that time. Nice. And there was another one. I forget yeah. what it was called. Um, B and B and yeah, B and D. B. I know. I just heard about it the other day. I forgot the name. And they of got it. my book in Borders all across. Yeah, the they they really good at distributing. Um, the partnerships though, what's important also, like in that. You got now that we we have a, a market where you can really define your demo. Find organizations, speaking events, conventions, whatever that align with your content. If you have a book that you're doing and it has something to do with the, the mystics and you know and fiction, or it has something to do with healing, make sure you're going to conventions on healing and you're speaking and you're, you're hiring yourself as a speaker. That's one of the things we do with Zay Live Marketing. I- <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys have to see his face. Um, but basically, one of the things I, I wanted to add to that was I remember uh, when I did my first book, which was actually a fiction—I mean, nonfiction book—and it was a business book. And um, it was a chamber of commerce in, in South Florida that wanted me to come speak. And I was like, "Oh, great!" You know, um, they were like, "Oh, we don't have any money to pay." You know, and I was like, "Oh, well, can you buy some of my books?" And they were like, "Sure, we can. We can fit, fit that into the budget." So I was like, "Okay." After I do my talk, I'll have a book signing. So they bought like maybe two hundred books. Mm-hmm. So it worked out fabulous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so all people that never knew about me, and that after they got my book, they 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 learned about me, and then they ended up, you know, some of them became clients. You know what I mean? So look, think strategically that way. Right, and look for things that are just absolutely different. I went to a book signing in D.C., and the book was, you know, just a book of inspirational quotes, and and, and she partnered with a, a gentleman who's a radio. Talk show host in, in D.C., and they did a book signing at a Cadillac dealership on a Sunday evening, and it worked out well because they both sold, you know, a great amount of books. But the car dealership actually ended up doing test drives and sold three Cadillacs. In the Get out of here. I love it. Wow. So he was like, you know, do you guys know any, any, other, any other author? <laughs> right. right. Because he suddenly found an audience. Nice. Okay. You know, so think outside. You have to think outside of the box and do something totally different now. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to save my what I'm doing as a secret. I, we do it. I, I just want to make one more uh, point. If you're a professional or you have your own business or you're an entrepreneur and you have a service or a product that you're selling, irregardless of book sales, to say you're a published author is gives you credibility when getting new patients, getting new clients, looking for places to speak, right? Just to say, I am a published author. You don't. It's say, a door opener. You don't say, yeah. I printed them and I edited them and I did it. <laughs> right. I'm a published <laughs> author, and um, oh, can, can you come speak? Right. And That's so true. it's a great, it's a great business card. It's a great brochure for your business. Even if you have a 30-page book, a 40-page book with uh, the seven steps to mm-hmm. accounting or whatever, if you're an accountant or whatever, to have a book gives you access and opens doors that you might not otherwise have had if you didn't 
Wonderful. Yeah, that, that actually, it's funny you said I use I use that exact line that your book is your brochure, mm-hmm. and it really opens doors. So uh, with that, uh, if we wanted to get our audience uh, access to more information about you, you have websites, ways to be reached. How can our folks uh, get in contact with all of you? For me, they can reach me at my website, which is eclaudetteliterary.com, and you can connect with me on Facebook under Emily Claudette Freeman. Yeah, my website is placeforhealing.com. I um, have on the website, uh, on um, Facebook as well. And, um, yeah. Place for Healing. Place and for the healing. names of your Back books? Now. Come on, Barry, pimp yourself. Let's go. <laughs> it's too late for him. He's um, tired. You can find my books on Amazon, <laughs> A Clear Path to Healing, and To Face a Dragon. Wonderful. Yeah, and it's your boy Zaylad. If you guys want innovative uh, marketing opportunities, um, come holler at me at Zaylive on Facebook, or you can reach me at Zaydaylive at gmail.com. Um, and of course, check out the book, The Art Album. Most incredible book out here. We're going to be having a big event in Miami for Art Basel. It's going to be crazy if you want to um, check out what's going on in the urban art scene. Wonderful. We, we enjoyed you guys. We learned a lot. I mean, we, we couldn't even bring Jackson out because we had too much to talk about. So. <laughs> I gave, him, I gave him off today. Oh, you did? Okay. I let him go. All right. Well, um, Well, if you are an, an official power player, um, please join the family by liking us on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash Own Your Power Radio. For more information on Own Your Power's coaching um, for personal and business development, just go to ownyourpowerlifestyle.com. That's ownyourpowerlifestyle.com. And let's not forget to tune into our network 24-7. We have shows on everything from business to relationships, so spread the word. Well, special thanks to everyone for, for being here again. And give yourselves a hand. Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> Keep it locked on Own Your Power Radio for more informative and exciting shows. Remember, anything you want is attainable. Own Your Power.